Together at the Table, the podcast from Integrity Music, where people around the world sit at their tables and talk about life in all its colors. Not to judge, but to love, share, listen, and learn. Whether you're rich or poor, we all sit at a table. And when we gather, everyone has a part to play in the conversation. So join us now as we share stories together at the table. Welcome to Together at the Table, the podcast from Integrity Music that brings you inspiring conversations with remarkable individuals. I'm Andrew Phillips, your host, today talking with Todd Smith. Todd is a singer-songwriter and founding member of the CCM band Selah. He is married to best-selling author Angie Smith and has four daughters who range from seventh grade to college. Todd was born in Michigan, but he grew up in the Democratic Republic of the Congo with missionary parents, which has greatly shaped his heart for the international family of God and the eclectic genres infused in his music. Sailor has been together since 1997, touring all over the US and winning 11 GMA Dove Awards along the way. The band is made of Todd alongside Alan Hall and Amy Perry, who together have been sharing a solid message of biblical truth through anthemic songs and revived great hymns of faith. The band have a passion for raising up the next generation of children to become leaders of their church and communities through One Child Global. They have just got back from a trip to the Dominican Republic with One Child. Selah's latest album is One Name, a project made of tracks from all over the world, translated into English. From Brazil to France, India and Indonesia, in the Netherlands and Sweden, honouring international songwriters and artists whose songs glorify the Lord. Todd, welcome to Together at the Table. So this uh, podcast is based on Luke 11.37, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went and he reclined at the table. And one of the things I thought would be good to do in this podcast is every guest gets to invite Jesus to the table for our conversation and for this time. So I wonder if you'd like to do that, Todd. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. Let's do that. Um, Lord, we just, we welcome you here. Um, We just, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. And uh, just ask that you would be in this conversation. Uh, If there's anything that I'm wanting to say, but it's not... um, the right thing for this conversation. I pray you would just, you know, give me a pause on that and just uh, be in this. I pray it'll be something that uh, ministers to people and speaks to people and uh, just draws them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The first question is about the table you work at. So if I was asking you to explain the table you work at, talk about it to us. Mm. Wow, that's a great, that's a great question. It's interesting because we just released a Christmas album called At This Table. And um, the um, interesting thing about that that song is that it's talking about when you have the holidays, 
can be a very awkward time, you know, when family members are coming, especially if there's family members you don't like, <laughs> or it's, you know, it's just going to be awkward conversations, or some people may not be welcome. And that idea that Jesus welcomes all of us, that everyone gets the opportunity to be at his table. And you see that, whether he's with the Pharisee, whether he's with the tax collector, whoever it was, he was always comfortable in his own skin, you know, and he would connect with anyone. And so I think for us, uh, for our group, as far as our work goes, we have an opportunity within three to five minutes to share the gospel. So I think a big place for us is, uh, as far as our table, um, it's speaking truth, but it's also singing to people who are broken, uh, people who are wounded, people who have uh, had incredible hurt. A lot of times we have um, people who come to us and they say, I just lost my dad. And as he was passing, we were listening to Wonderful Merciful Savior, or we were listening to this song or that song. And, and that's a very sacred thing that we get to be a part of, you know, that I would never get the opportunity to just be there with them in their cars while they're listening, you know, and their kids are listening, you know, or in this moment where their a loved one is about to pass and yet they would they would choose to use one of those songs. So uh, our bywords have always been comfort and encouragement. Um, and so I, that's a long answer, but I think that's kind of where, if I were to say, what is our table? It is something where hopefully, our music's not for everybody, but for the people that listen, hopefully they sense God's presence in it and they're able to internalize it. And then when they sing it, they're singing truth. So it's ministering to them. Um, and um, in those sacred moments where it's really difficult and painful, they are able to experience God's peace because of the words and the music. And I want to ask then, when you're at that table yourself or with the whole group together, are you conscious that Jesus is at that table at that moment of preparing your music? Yeah, I would say most of the time, yeah. I, I think it's funny, there's sometimes where we'll start off with an idea that we really feel like, uh, for me, it, like I, I feel like we're in right now um, in the music that we're creating and, and that we're writing. A lot of times we do hymns. Um, and those are always a bedrock of what we do. But also I write uh, quite a bit and I have felt a, um, and it may just be it's my my own interest, but I, I would like to believe that I feel like this is what God's putting on my heart. And all three of us have different things that we're, um, we're wanting to write about. But for me, it's spiritual warfare. Uh, I feel like the enemy is so brazen and so out in the open. And so for us, it's how do we equip the church with words that help them fight spiritual battles, even if they don't realize it. So when Paul says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, dominions, and powers, again, I think we kind of have this ethereal idea of what that is, and don't take that literally, that as basically what Paul's saying is as real as this conversation is, and, and visually how you can see us, mm -hmm. the spiritual realm is far more real. Wow. It's far more real. And my dad has even said he's been a missionary for 45 years in Africa. Um, but he has said, if we could see the spiritual realm, we'd be on our knees all the time, you know, just to to be aware of the battles that are taking place, dominions and principalities and powers. This is stuff that's very organized. And 
is all around the world. And so how do we fight that? One of the most powerful ways is through prayer. One of the most powerful ways is through praise, um, fasting. Um, I don't like to fast, so you can probably tell that. But um, so all that to say, I think most of the time, I don't want to say, yes, all the time we're just perfect with this, but it's there is definitely a conscious thing that way. Can we move to like your table traditions, your family table and so on? And, and I wonder if you can share a unique or meaningful tradition or traditions mm. that you've you've grown up with in your family. Hmm. Yeah. Man, let's see. So I have four daughters. Uh, we actually we have five. We lost one um the day that she was born. I'm sorry. Uh, her name her name was Audrey. She'd be 16 this year. Mm. And um we uh I have twins, uh all girls. I I don't make boys. So um <laughs> it's Ellie and Abby who are uh juniors in college and then Kate is a senior. And um very athletic. And then Charlotte is our baby who we had after we lost Audrey. And she's just, they're all gifts, but she was just such a gift after she was a really easy baby too. Um, and so let's see, uh, Christmas is obviously a big thing. Thanksgiving is a, a big thing. Typically what we do at Christmas time is we go to most of my family lives down here and my wife, she lost her father, um, four years ago. So prior to that, um, they would, we would open presents and then her family would come over uh, in the afternoon and then my family would come over at night um, for uh, Christmas. We typically go every Christmas too, we go to a um, musical theater event, you know, that we do. Um, I'm trying to think church wise, we just, we go to a small little, uh, we call it local church and it meets in a home. And there's probably three or four of them in our neighborhood that are all, we're all the same group. So once a month we gather as a, as a group, but then uh, every week we're with our five or six families um, in our neighborhood. And that started during COVID. And that was actually pretty amazing because, you know, when you, you couldn't connect with people, we could all connect with each other because we, we all live there. I'm trying to think of like a really great tradition story. Um, but I can't really think of, uh, uh, yeah, not, I don't know. I can't really add any, like some great traditional story that we do. A table is a gathering place though, right? It's mm. a, it's where you come together. Mm. And I, I wondered if you can explain a bit about how important it is for you to be with your family and, and maybe even look back at your family table with your father and mother yeah. that as well. Tell us yeah. about those sort of oh, things. Oh, absolutely. So I grew up in Congo and, uh, my, my grandparents were missionaries out there, um, my mom, when she married my dad, she prayed specifically, uh, they were in Bible school and she knew that he was born there and she never had any desire to go. Mm -hmm. So she specifically prayed, God, I'm falling in love with Jim. Please don't ever send me to Africa. <laughs> so I keep praying, Lord, don't ever send me a million dollars. And um, he still hasn't, but you know, I can hope for it. But anyways, she prayed that and then they got married. They were in church ministry for about 12 years. And then dad started to um, sing and uh, made a couple project records with uh, Zondervan out of Michigan and then did some independent projects. He was in California singing. And then um, our house, we were Western Michigan. It was a horrible, it was the 1977 and it was a horrible storm year. We got, I don't know how many inches of snow, but 
our um, heater caught on fire and burned the house down like within 30 minutes. And I just, I was four at the time. I just remember, you know, seeing it and wanting to make my mom feel better. And we were going to redecorate the next, you know, summer. So I was like, well, mom, at least we won't have to repaint the house, you know? <laughs> um, but my dad called three days after once he found out that we were all alive and he was just grateful he wasn't coming home to funerals. And mom's obviously devastated. And she's like, what are we going to do? And he, he was like, Nancy, I think, I think God's calling us to go to Africa. <laughs> she's like, are you crazy? You know? And uh, I have so much respect for my mom. One for my dad to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. He said it was like the Holy Spirit came in and, and as he was, he just found out everything. And just, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit said, what about Congo? What about starting a Bible college? Because my, my grandparents had started three mission stations and never got around to actually doing the Bible college because uh, my grandpa died. And so um, um, he thought about it and knew knew that. But then for someone like my mom who never wanted to go, she wasn't one of those uh, you know, ladies who's like, hey, I've just been, you know, wanting to go to Africa since, you know, I was a kid. And God bless those women who 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 want to do that and men who want to do that. But she never did. But still to be obedient, you know, in the midst of it and to walk through it, even when you hate it. Mm-hmm. But you know it's it's not not a penance, not, oh hey, I'm gonna go to Africa so I can make up for these things I did. It's I I know I have to walk through this. I don't want to be here but I'm going to be obedient. And for a year and a half, she struggled. I mean, just struggled Mm -hmm. and would cry and would go, when are we going back? Like the highlight of her day was to go check, check, you know, and, you know, a thousand days till we go back to Michigan, you know, 999 days. But God worked in her heart over time to where now she's the glue of that ministry. And so when you're talking about gathering around the table, our family, um, it was so critical um, how close we all were. And so we had, it's, it's a round table like this, but it's much bigger. And so breakfast time, we always had breakfast together. We always prayed and we always read. And so some of my basic um, beginning Bible lessons, even an understanding of scripture was hmm. that time at breakfast. And it's amazing how I still go back to that, you know, and go, oh, wow, this is where this began. So yeah, a lot of tradition there. I think what's interesting about that Matthew eleven thirty seven is that the Pharisee invited Jesus and he accepted it. Yes. So there's a gratitude there, isn't there, about being invited to dinner and so on and being at that table. Um, how do you express gratitude at the table? Wow. Um, I think, well, I think sometimes you can pray, you know, right, you know, before you eat, just not even thinking of it. And kind of go, well, yeah, of course I have food, you know? And I mean, if anyone should know better, it should be me from being in Congo because the average income was about $150 a year, you know? And so it's intense poverty. Um, And even though like we were wealthy compared to everyone else, we were missionaries. It wasn't like we had, you know, a ton of things, but just, man, to be grateful. I think having joy, you know, I think so many times I associate uh, hap, it's, I want to be happy. Well, no, but joy is a peace and and a trust and a presence in the midst of whatever whatever happens. And so um, I think one of the greatest ways for me to express it or where I try to be more mindful of it is to just have joy when I'm in my house. You know, sometimes I'm uh, coming home from the studio and it was not my best day singing or, you know, just whatever meetings or whatever um, and going, 
okay, before I get out of this car, what kind of temperament, what am I bringing into this house, Hmm. you know, and how do I, if I'm really angry about something, okay, calm down, Lord, give me peace, Lord, change my mindset. Now it's time for me to speak into my family and to not change the atmosphere and make it heavy, you know, because I can be pretty intense. And so um, I guess just mindful about certain things like that. Hmm. Todd, have you seen miracles at the table? Wow. Um, When we were in Africa, um, we were, my dad had gone and done evangelism. And he was on an evangelism trip and uh, we lived out in the boonies, you know, so there's no hospital, there's no paved roads, there's no gas station. We had finally had electricity about five hours a night. Um, But um, he was gone and my younger brother was probably six months to a year. And he um, had a really bad temperature and wasn't keeping anything down, any liquids or anything. And we were we were in our house, you know, and um, my mom just took him and ran down to the church. I think it was a Sunday morning and went down there and walked in in the middle of the service, you know, just bawling your eyes out, which really, you know, made everybody upset. Like, is, are you okay? How are you doing? And they didn't say, hey, get out of here. You're interrupting our service. They stopped everything. And she just said, I think my son's dying. You know, will, will you pray over him? And, um, they just stopped everything and they prayed and she took him back um, to the house. And the next morning, his fever it was gone. And he had been like that for days and for days and, and, and should have died. And so you would see things like that. I've, I mean, I've heard so many different stories of just different miracles uh, that have happened. And I, I, I feel like, yeah, there were times where even, um, I can't remember like specifics, but where dad or mom would say, hey, this is the situation. Maybe it was a financial thing. You know, one specifically was we were going to go to boarding school, um, but it was really expensive to go there. And so they were like, we need to pray about this and we're going to see if we can um, reach out to some of our supporters if they're if they'd be willing and and they were, you know, and you would see things like that where like a check in the mail would, you know, would come or something would happen where you'd bear, you know, you're always barely making it, but you would just see the hand of God in that. Together at the table. Faithful is important to me because it celebrates women united under the Holy Spirit. Stream Great Things, the latest EP from Faithful, anywhere you listen to music. Together at the table. Hi, Andrew Phillips here. We've put together a resource for you to take your podcast experience to the next level. You can now bring the heartwarming conversations from our podcast to your very own table. Introducing the Together at the Table PDF Listening Guide. This guide provides a deeper insight into our series and offers you the chance to host your very own Together at the Table gathering. Inside, you'll find all the thought-provoking questions we discuss in every episode. 
Use these questions to create meaningful conversations with your friends and family, just as we do on the podcast. It's a great way to connect and grow together. Download your copy now by going to integritymusic.com forward slash together at the table. We'd love you to share your responses with us. What insights did you gain and what conversations were sparked around your table? We've set up a voicemail so you can get in touch and tell us about your stories from your table. Call 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. We look forward to sharing your stories and thoughts on a future episode. Thank you for being part of this beautiful community. I mean, Jesus often dined with various individuals, you know, and including those that are marginalized, you know, those that nobody wanted to have at their table, you know. Um, how do you practice kind of hospitality um, and allow your table to be open for anyone? Yeah, man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And especially in this day and age where everyone is, it's almost like, I feel like with the church even, we're known for what we're against, but we're not known for what we're for. Mm. And one of the things that Jesus was for over and over again was loving people. Yeah. It didn't mean he condoned how they lived or mm. what they did, but he always went to places and, you know, whether it was with Matt, I mean, the beautiful thing about Matthew is here's a tax collector who should have no part in being a believer, let alone a disciple, hmm. let alone the guy who gets to write the story of Jesus to Jews. Like, here's the guy who's rejected by the Jews, and God goes, I'm going to pick you, hmm. and you're going to be the one who's going to reveal to my people who I am. Like, that is, it just shows he is the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of restoration. And so, we need to look at people that way, because that's how I have to be looked at. Like, I thank God for his grace because I'm probably the biggest hypocrite in the room. And to know that he uses me, to know that he chooses to, hey, I want you to sing before people. I want you to be a part, to create music that's a part of their devotional lives, you know, that draws them closer to me, you know. And so, um, one of the ways that we practice, practice this very actively in our home is um, our doors open at any point to any of our kids' friends. And so we might have 20 kids in our house, um, you know, and, and some of them, you know, you're just kind of listening to what they're going through. It's broken homes or it's this thing might be going on or this thing. And just for them to know that there is a safe place for them to be, you know, is, um, uh, and I hope that would be the way anybody would feel when they're around us. So I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it, uh, when you're saying this about the table, there's something so sacred about having a meal together. And Jesus did that so often with people. Uh, but it's it's a way of me showing you, hey, I'm welcoming you into my family. A lot of times I do this when I'm songwriting. If I'm mm -hmm. songwriting for the first time with someone I've never done it with, because uh, it can be like a blind date. Like it could be so <laughs> awkward. You know, it's just like, hey, how are you? But when you, if you have time to get coffee or especially like a breakfast together, and just get to know each other and talk 
And then you're eating together. You know what that's like, so you're comfortable. And then you're just sharing your stories, you know. So I get to hear your story. And, oh, you're from Great Britain, but you grew up in Australia. And your dad took you, you know, all these different places. Suddenly now you're known. Hmm. You know, and suddenly now I know you. And so there's a a much deeper bond, even in that 30 minutes or hour, to then go, hey, this is where my heart is as far as the songs I want to write about. And Hmm. these are some of the ideas that I have. And then you you know, you go and do that. One of the things I like to ask people, Todd, is what do people say about you when you leave the table? Hmm. Is this what I'd like to hear them say or what they really say? I think, I hope, I think what they might say is, man, he's intense. Um, he talks a lot when he answers the question. But I, generally what I get from people uh, is that you're a good listener. Like you really listen to, I felt known after we talked because I'm generally, I'm, I'm very interested in people, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, I, there's a lot of times where I might have an agenda in my head of like, I'm going to say this, you know, I'm going to share this thing. But when it gets down to it, I think people are fascinating. And so it's like, what's your job? You know, what do you do? Why, why is that? You know, why, what do you think about this? And so, um, I think most people would say they feel known after they have a conversation with me, um, that they, they, they believe I was genuinely interested in what they had to say. So yeah, okay. I, I would say that. But if you could have the decision made on that or what that, what it is that you leave behind, what would you like to leave behind? What would I like to leave behind? Um, probably selfishly, I would say that I sounded smart. <laughs> or or interesting, but I would hope that, um, that I'm, I'm someone who I knew what I was talking about, but at the same time, I really cared about what they were saying and who they were and that they came away from the conversation, um, full, if that makes sense. Um, we had a writing there. Sometimes you do writing sessions and they can be exhausting. You know, you're just, let's just finish this song because we're never going to record it, but we've already started it. So let's just get it done kind of thing. And then there are other times where you have these incredible conversations and that just happened uh, last week, you know, with um, different writers and I came away just full, you know, and encouraged and, and like, let's go conquer, you know, let's go do this. And so I think that would be something that I hope when, when I, when I finish a conversation with someone that they feel known and that they feel hopeful and um, uh, that they feel full, if that makes sense. And with your family, how do they feel when you leave the room? Ooh, that's a good question. It depends on the day with my wife. You know, she, uh, she might say, Hey, you're just full of yourself, just thinking of yourself. Um, Or it's like recently I'm very close with my girls and um my daughter, um, Charlotte, uh, I used to read to her every night, you know, now she's 13. So it's kind of that place. Like I pray, I pray with her every night. Um, but we used to, used to read and every once in a while I'll say, Hey, you know, if you ever want to read again, you know, I'm, I'm up for it. She's like, okay, but hasn't, (laughs) it hasn't happened. Um, but there's just different, like my daughter, Kate, uh, she just turned 18 and there were a couple things where, you know, she just said, I'm just so glad you're my dad. I'm just so glad you're my dad. And it's, I mean, it's, it's like, I'm not going to be when I'm, I get, I get caught up in 
whatever the next thing is, you know, I, I'm okay. Where's what are we doing here? And what are we doing here? But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be like, man, I wish we had a number one single. You know, I wish that album, you know, did this. I wish this blew up. I wish people thought I, you know, was important. It's going to be what do my kids think of me? What does my wife think of me? What do my friends think of me? You know, and how did I live my life? And how did I honor? the Lord. And did I, and, you know, hopefully not looking back at the mistakes too much, but um, yeah, when they, when they say that, when my wife says, man, just thank you for taking care of me there, protecting me on this. um, That's, yeah, that's, you know, those are the, the, the biggest things. So, or having moments where you're able to talk to your kid about spiritual things, like my, my 17 year old, every once in a while, she'll, well, she just turned 18 actually. But she had a, a question about theology, and I'm I'm forgetting what it was in particular. But it ended up being this 45 minute to an hour conversation. But then also really trying to listen because if there's something where I know a lot about it, I'll just kind of go, blah, 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 you know, and do the whole thing and not just answer the question. So, if you could have anybody at a table now who's alive or maybe has passed on who would that be and why i think i think noah would be someone really interesting you know um he builds this ark for i don't know it's 175 years (laughs) there's no major flooding that's ever happened you know and but he knows he's on mission and has to do this and probably like um, goes and, and gets a trade and learns how to sail, you know, and because he knows this is this is coming, you know, down down the pike. And then after it's done, you know, and Peter even in, in First Peter chapter three, nineteen talks about it being the first form of baptism that that art coming out of the flood. But what was that like to start all over again? You know, there's just eight of you. There's no one else in the world. What was that like? Um, so yeah, that there's so many biblical characters that it would be interesting to talk to and to see their faults, you know, to see like my my grandfather is actually someone I'd love to know because he's it's almost like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then Levin Smith. But all I have is this image from my dad who was 11 when he died, you know, so he just has that image of this bigger than life person. You know, I don't know his faults. I don't know his, you know, he's, he was such a passionate person. So it'd be incredible to have a conversation with him and go, what made you think about, hey, I'm going to go to Africa in the middle of malaria and everything else in the 30s. Like, mm-hmm. why'd you do that? What was it like when you shared at the final mission station where they were doing child sacrifice at that point and you shared how God had sacrificed his son so they no longer had to do this and they literally got it. And the men were dancing and rejoicing because they didn't want to do this, but they felt like because Satan always takes what is good and he perverts it. And so they, this freedom that God would love them that much, that he would send his son, like they were dumbfounded and people who, they weren't even saved yet. But when he shared that, they start going and evangelizing the other people in the village. Did you hear about this? Did you hear what God did? Did you hear what Dr. Smith said when he said this about Jesus? And that whole village came to faith like overnight. Like what was that like? You know, so it'd be things like that. But I yeah, I think I think Peter and Paul and um um David would be an interesting one too. 
So yeah, those would be different ones. And just to get context, just because they're like bigger, they're so big, you know, you almost think like they knew what was going to happen, but it's like they didn't know what was going to happen. They were just being faithful mm. that day and the next day. Something beautiful that came out of what you said then, it really resonated with me, is that Satan takes what's good and destroys it. Yeah. Jesus takes what is bad mm. and gets rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is something that we should remember in these these discussions, that when we sit at the table, if we're trying to destroy something, that's bad. But if we're trying to take away and heal, mm. you know, something that's been mm. doing something bad in our lives or hurting us, that's good. Yeah. Okay, the, the big question is, if you sat with Jesus at the table and it was just you and him, what would you say? Wow. I think one of the first things I would say is, where's Audrey? Hmm. Um, how's she, how's it been? You know, um, what, what does she do? What does a day look like for her in eternity? Um, I don't think I'm going to ask him, hey, why do you allow it to happen? And the reason I say that, um, it's not super spiritual. It's, it's more of a thing of... Um, when I'm in the presence of God eventually. And I think he, he'd be fine with me asking. And I could ask him and he would answer gently and, and you know, hey, this is, this is what happened. Um, but I think when I'm finally in his presence, the glory of it, the, the, the majesty of, of all of it is gonna be so incredible that I'm, I'm gonna know and I'm going to be at peace. And, um, 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 I, I think, I don't know, probably one thing I would ask him is why did you create us knowing you were going to die for us? Like, why were we worth that or what in your plan and your sovereign plan? Cause you know, in Colossians, it says he's the creator of all things and literally created the earth, created us. You knew we were going to fall and yet you still chose to make us like that's a love i can't even begin to comprehend todd smith it's been wonderful talking with you and you've got a lot of questions that, uh, <laughs> to place at the table i was going to ask you in a final thought if people listening to this today are hesitating about coming to the table to sit with jesus what would you say to them man i would say just come as you are um, when we were losing audrey um Angie would have yelling matches in her car with God. You can heal her. You can heal her. You can save her. You know, because we found out at uh, 18 weeks that she had complications that were beyond uh, any, without a miracle, there was just no way. And no kid had ever survived with her circumstances. And so I would say if you're angry or whatever, whatever it is, don't turn your face away from God. Jesus can handle your anger. He can handle your bitterness, but go to him, go to him. And um, I, I would just say, I, I feel like um, he's very patient. He's very patient and he will listen to you if you're someone who you don't believe in God. And so you feel like you have no place. Um, I've seen, you know, there are friends of mine who are atheists who have come to know Jesus over time, you know, as they grapple with the things that they have a hard time with. Why does he allow this? Or why does this happen? 
but over time they 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 come to know who he is i think your life will be so much more full and you'll be it's you'll have so much more peace especially in a day and an age where everyone's against each other everyone's you know we're we're not just trying to disagree we're trying to destroy each other's character and so here you have the God of the universe who created the universe according to, according to scripture saying, Hey, treat people the way that you want to be treated. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, make yourself the least serve other people. You know, if we did those two things, it would be, it would change everything. And so I would say for you, if one, there's always a place for you at the table. There always is. Um, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, there is always a place. And when you humble yourself, it is amazing um, how God receives that and how he will change your life and speak into you. Todd Smith, thank you for the music and thank you for the stories and thank you for being together at the table. Thank you, Andrew. Together at the table. Together at the Table is an Integrity Music Podcast and hosted by Andrew Phillips. The show is produced by Lasting Media Group. Our executive producers are Andrew Phillips and Jason B. Jones. Special thanks to Callie Argent, Bruno Balduino, Olivia Buchanan, Madison France, Alicia St. Gillet, Robbie Moore, Matt Lott, Noah Newman, and John Schneck. Our theme music is Good God, Lo-Fi Version by Special Music from their upcoming album, Still Worship, Lo-Fi, Volume 2. To listen to more lo-fi and Christian instrumental music, search for Still Worship wherever you listen to music. To learn more about Together at the Table, as well as Integrity Music, visit integritymusic.com. And to get more involved with the show, follow us on socials at TogetherTablePod. We've also set up a voicemail at 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. If you have comments or questions or you'd like to be a part of the show, please call and leave a message. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps keep Together at the Table on the charts where people can find our show. Thank you once again for being with us Together at the Table.